developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Melissa Toole. Melissa just wrote a children's book, her first book, with a message that I think is so important for us to share. And I'm excited about hearing more about that in a minute. And congratulations to you, Melissa. Thank uh, but you so before. Much. You're welcome. Before hearing about your book, though, let's, I want to share a little bit about your personal life. Melissa was born in New York City to soap opera stars John and Sandy Gabriel. So those of you who are um, into the soap operas, he was Dr. Seneca Bullock on Ryan's Hope, and she was Edna Thornton on All My Children. I know my next door neighbor was always watching all my children for years and years. Uh, her childhood home was constantly hosting directors, actors, dancers, and writers. Melissa went to Tulane University and went then went on to co-host a TV show called Oddville MTV. Her sister Andrea is an actress best known for playing Nadia on the popular series Lost. So you have a lot of of uh, acting and show, showmanship in your family, which is great. <laughs> Melissa is currently a preschool teacher in Bedford, New York, and this is her first book carrying a message she holds dear to embrace the moment. And the book's name is Time is on Your Side. So welcome, Melissa, to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your background. You know, what an interesting life living in the world of show business. You know, how did all of those experience experiences either impact or, or shape you for where you're at now? Well, I was constantly surrounded by a lot of creativity, um, just a lot of creative people always coming in the house. Um, I remember specifically the playwright Herb Gardner, who wrote A Thousand Clowns, came over to my apartment one day to tell me that it was okay that I was not so good in math because <laughs> um, he said that he wasn't and that he was a very successful playwright and um, that I could I could actually find success in other areas besides math where I was <laughs> not doing so well. Well, that's so, you know, that is so important because, as you know now, so many kids are brilliant in different ways, and that's true yes. for all people. And, and in yes. the school system especially, you know, the, the scores, the grades, the IQs, that's what seems to, to hold a lot of credibility. 
And so often the EQ, the emotional intelligence, the creativity, the spatial, all the things that build our lives aren't necessarily taken into account. And, and our, uh, those kids who are so creative, we see many gifted kids in my, my vision therapy practice, and they're often so creative. And they, the, the schools just don't get them. The parents don't get them. They're, they're right. creating new things, yet they can't make an outline A, B, C, D, you know, or right. math, like you said. Exactly. So what a gift. That's why I'm grateful for my parents who uh, recognized that. Yeah, and what a gift to have a person at a young age, you know, tell you about uh, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with yeah. you. This is your direction yeah. and your gifts, which is wonderful. Yeah. So, so take us from there. You went to college, and then, you know, how did you get involved in uh, early childhood education? So, um, so yes, I loved Tulane University. What a what a great magical city New Orleans was. And uh, then I came back to New York City, and of course. Uh, became an actress because um, it's really what I was very familiar with and what I really enjoyed. Um, but then after I had children, um, I started to feel my priorities shifting a bit, and I wasn't so into the auditions anymore. And I, I became really, really enthusiastic about parenting, and I sort of it was a natural shift uh, into now being a preschool teacher. So I get to work with four-year-olds every day, even though my own kids are now 16 and 18, which is unbelievable to me. Um, wow. But I, yeah, I really enjoy um, being at the preschool with, with the kids where just everything is new. Everything is new to them. Tell us more about the excitement of working with such creative, imaginative kids that age. You know, I I have such compassion uh, for early childhood education and preschool. And most parents think like it's babysitting time or, you know, Mm -hmm. they should learn to read by age four. And my sister being a preschool, um, not only a teacher, she used to be principal of several preschools and run programs. Um, it is so much more than what people understand. Tell us about why you're so excited with that age group and, and you know, the magic of seeing that smile and creativity every moment. Well, they're just amazing. I mean, not, not only am I a preschool teacher uh, at the school, but I also teach an after-school drama club, um, oh. and which is just perfectly suited to me. Um, and... At the end of the session, um, they create a play, a play that they have created themselves. So they brainstorm all the ideas of what the play is going to be about. They pick their own characters. They pick their own dialogue. And that just, I get such a kick out of that because the ideas that they come up with, totally unfettered, totally just pure creativity. They have no inhibition about anything. If you can walk into the drama club and say, okay, everyone, you're a dog. Act out being a dog. They'll do it. They won't roll their eyes. They won't say, oh, I feel silly. They'll just embrace it completely because they're just at that perfect age. And so my plays have all sorts of twists and turns um, with characters doing crazy things. Um, a lot of volcanoes erupting. They're they're really into that. Um, a lot of girls uh, have been mermaids. 
swimming in the ocean uh, and then finding Moana on a boat and then hopping in Moana's boat and just a lot of action, a lot of adventure. Um, and like I said, they they just have no embarrassment and they have no feeling of, oh, this is silly or I feel awkward. They just love to pretend and everything is creative with them. Well, that's the visualization. That's the creativity that I just love. And you explaining it just takes me to, you know, living a life where there's not inhibitions. And if you want to be a dog and do a dog shake and shake out all your wiggles, you can get up and do that and not think anything of it. And and the freedom that gives me just oh, in yeah. the moment, it's just, yeah. just amazing. And what what happens? What's your perception of what and when does that start really getting lost? Um, I think when they get to be older, they become aware of their peers, and that immediately makes them, well, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe it makes them second-guess everything, and maybe mm-hmm. this shirt is funny-looking. Maybe I shouldn't wear this shirt, even though I like this shirt. Um, and and it's I, I just really sense a shift. At, probably, I would even say, kindergarten, first grade is when they start to be become aware of, as a matter of fact, I also teach a drama club to uh, kindergarten and first grade, and that's later on in the day. And when I was doing the play with them, I said, so I'll stand up and I'll tell the parents, I'll say, uh, this is a big kid show. We have big kid dialogue. We have big kid characters. And one of the little boys said, um, please don't say that. That's embarrassing. So I said, okay, I won't. But it's already there in in kindergarten. It's already there. That's sort of like, oh, this isn't cool. Um, You know, there is inhibition at that point. Yeah, so it it happens really early. And then throwing academics and grades and competitions only fuel that, that inhibition um, I do have to tell you a quick story. My family has always been into the arts and drama. We're more on the music side of things. But my brother was a, an actor and dancer. And my granddaughter is now in eighth grade, and we just went to her eighth grade play. And to see middle schoolers, like 12, 13-year-olds, be crazy and dress up and act was so heartwarming yeah. Again, because you see them at home and you hear their talk. And then when you see them together in community as a team in, in drama like that, I, I got such a kick out of it. And it was all, it's also the place that she finds community because they yeah. can be themselves. And and so, um, yeah, you, you certainly bring bring the art and love at such an early age. What, what a wonderful gift you, for your school and all your students. Thank you. I really, yeah. I really enjoy it. Great. Well, I can tell that. So tell us now about getting into the book. You know, why did you write this book? Well, believe it or not, I first came up with the idea in 1999, where I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be a whole new century. Time is going by so quickly. How is it possible it's going to be 2000? And I was getting really kind of freaked out about it. Uh, so that's when I said to myself, what if you could actually stop time? Wouldn't that be incredible? And then, of course, then I had kids, and that anxiety got even worse because they were growing older and older and older. I couldn't stop them. 
and I was missing certain days from when they were young. And then when I became a preschool teacher, I found that it was a universal feeling that people seem to focus on all the children that say, I can't wait to get big. I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait uh, to be a grown up. But then there are other kids and plenty of them who say, well, I'm nervous about kindergarten next year. I don't even know what it is. And kids who say, well, you were my friend yesterday. We were talking, but today we're not friends. And, and they, they too worry about things changing and time going on. It's not just adults who worry about that. And so, and even the older kids I told you about that come back, uh, from my drama club, the kindergartners, they say, Oh, I wish I was still four again. I really miss this. And so I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write this story and I'm going to send it out to publishers because I think, I think it's an important message uh, to comfort people and to, to tell them that the change can actually be okay and you really need to embrace the present. And so that's what the message of the book is. Which is beautiful. Can you give us a little more detail on, you know, the characters and some of the story? Sure. Yes. Uh, it's about a girl who's eight years old, and one morning she wakes up in the body of an adult, and she can't believe it. She doesn't understand why or what happened, and finally she figures out, you know what, this is time's fault. This is time who's doing this to me, and uh, my mission is going to be I'm going to find him, and I'm going to stop him. So she looks in the sky because time flies. She looks in the garbage dump because people waste time. Um, she looks in the bank because time is money. And she does actually find him, um, but I'm not going to give away what actually happens. <laughs> right. But it's a happy ending. <laughs> Which is great. I love your analogies of time. And uh, I remember there used to be an ad where you drive up to your bank, you know, like you withdraw money. But you drive up, drive up to the bank and you go, could I have another hour, please? You know, about the time, <laughs> being the villain. Um, yes, yes. And that's so interesting. Um, so I don't want you to give a, the, the end of the story away by any means. But, but you know, just give us, um, you know, just one An other little what, piece. Yes. So... When she does meet time, um, he says to her, you know, I get a bad rap. People are always blaming me for their lives moving too quickly. Um, I think it's the humans that are at fault. They're the ones that move too quickly. They're the ones that are always thinking about yesterday. They're always thinking about tomorrow. How about the beautiful todays that I give you? Why don't you appreciate those? And then she says, well, you know, today I'm huge. Today I'm in the body of a grown-up. And he says that he has never known for, he's never been known for being subtle, but he was trying to get a point across. And so he gives her um, a pink clock and he says, every time you see this clock, I want you to remember, to appreciate today. I mean, if I never changed anything, then it would be the same weather every day. You'd never go to another birthday party again. You'd never make another new friend. Everything would be the same and you would be bored. So 
she did get that sort of like, yeah, I guess if there is no change, you do get kind of stagnant. You do get bored. So he gets that um, point across to her. This is really a big story on presence yes. and awareness as well. Yes. Yes. So, so I love it when there's always an age on the book. Like, what what age is this book for? And often the adults get the most out of it. But what age is is this book really meant to be read? Uh, I I would say four years old to nine years old. Uh, the character is eight. Um, uh-huh. So I would say four four years old to nine years old. Excellent. And let our listeners know how they can uh, find not only your book, but uh, any questions or information for you, how they can contact you. Um, I have a Facebook page, uh, and the page is Time is on Your Side. Um, And they can buy the book on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And what else? And is there oh, a way to contact uh, you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, on Instagram at Melissa Tool. Okay, that's great. And if you had a pair of magic glasses to see the world through the lens of clarity, courage, and confidence, what would your world look like? Oh, gosh. What would my world look like? Well, there would be. I would be surrounded by creativity always and everywhere, Um, surrounded by honesty, surrounded by kindness. Um, I would would love for everyone to live with the same enthusiasm that uh, my preschool kids uh, exhibit every day. Um, there, There was a little boy... The other day, I was I was sorting letters to do these uh, books with them, these letter books. So I'd come up with the A, and I have to put in the A stack, the B, put in the B stack. And he just thought it was the greatest thing ever. He loved this. He said, it's like a game. Can I help you? And so he was sorting the letters, and, and he just found such joy in the alphabet. It, my world that uh, that I would exist in with those glasses, everybody would have that sort of enthusiasm for the mundane, the things that we just take for granted. Um, the alphabet is amazing. <laughs> you know, we should yeah. all appreciate it. And, uh, and the kindness, obviously, is a big thing, uh, a big thing for me. I don't understand uh, any sort of nastiness or negativity. I try to avoid it at all costs. So my glasses would definitely... Um, have a, a kind and peaceful and creative and enthusiastic world. What a beautiful answer. And being an eye doctor, I'll see to it that you get not only that pair of glasses, I'm going to make the same pair for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would love it. Which is great. Within our last uh, couple minutes here, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? I mean, that was just a beautiful summary of who you are in this world and and what you create and I thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Um, Is there anything else I would like to share? Um, I would like to share that I'm very, very proud of my sister 
Andrea Gabriel, who is an extraordinarily talented actress, um, and she's a bit frustrated right now because the actors are on strike, so she is a creative uh, woman, obviously, who doesn't really have too much of an outlet for that right now, but um, you can see her... You can see her work um, on her website. Um, if you if you search up Andrea Gabriel, you'll find her website and That's, all the work that she's done. She's brilliant. That is great. That is great. Uh, I'm sure your sister's going to appreciate that and the love there is between you two, which is uh, so noticeable, and I thank you on that. And I want to thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us and truly warming my heart. And I, you know, I just want everybody to take, take a moment and just close their eyes for, for just a moment and imagine yourself in a world surrounded by creativity, honesty, kindness, the enthusiasm for all that comes to you in life. And remember your vision doesn't define you. You define your vision. This is your opportunity. Create your magic glasses and see the world the way that you would love to create your world. And with that, thank you so much, Melissa, for for joining us today. And everybody should go out. I'm I'm ordering my book now. Should go out and get your book. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, and bye bye for now. Bye bye. you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.